Hello everyone, you are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. This is Prerna Subramanian with The Scoop and we have here with us today Professor Ariel Salzman who is an associate professor at the history department here at Queens. Uh today we talk to her about the ongoing crisis with respect to Palestinian rights given her knowledge around theories of state formation and histories of Muslim societies. Professor Salzman, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I think it's very important that we we talk about this issue. It's a crisis in the region, obviously crisis for Palestinians, for civilians, both Israeli and uh Palestinian, but it's also a global crisis. It's a crisis on top of a crisis. So, absolutely and i'm glad that we are having this conversation through cfrc and uh getting to the audience of queens through this forum uh, with you and uh, i would like to start us off uh, with knowing your thoughts on perhaps it's an elementary but a very fundamental issue of framing the palestinian question how do we name it and how do we position apartheid and the historical reality of zionism and the accusations of antisemitism in that framing Well, let me just start to say that you know I think that you know many of us um, in the academy and and beyond have been very actively involved in um, in opposing an effort by um, allies of the Israeli government and uh, certain organized Jewish communities to pass a new definition of antisemitism. And I have to say um, that was based on discussions that had nothing to do with. creating an academically uh, coherent or historically real notion of anti-semitism but was was actively um trying to link any kind of critique of Israel uh with accusations of anti-semitism and yes. therefore use the whole debate as a way to gaslight really i mean that's what we should be talking about gaslighting um you know clearly arise in anti-jewish anti-semitic hate crimes along with huge uh tsunami of uh xenophobia and racism um but to use that as a way to silence people and what's what's so uh pernicious and insidious about this whole thing of course um and you see it play out in the media all the time where you know Israel make an announcement like it did a, d- a day and a half ago um mass casualty event in the west bank settler synagogue uh bleachers collapse yes it's a very sad thing uh but in the end you know yes people were injured and stuff but this is certainly not the mass casualty event that's actually occurring in Gaza um that is caused uh by the ceaseless israeli bombardment um and here again the cowardness and i i think that's the appropriate term there was an opinion writer in the in al jazeera who talked about the cbc and canadian broadcasting's cowardice in naming uh what is going on in the occupied territories um as what they are which is a form of apartheid so that yeah. was already um the human rights watches very long uh protracted decision making and finally coming to the reality of what was happening there and what has been happening uh for decades but the way the media has framed this just as they framed the last major incursion in Gaza um is one of you know war a uh, one of israelis versus palestinians um yeah. is one of hamas being a totally illegitimate uh political entity um and in fact if we start with the very beginning who is at war with whom first of all as occupied people they cannot be at war they don't have a state 
Yes. Um, mm -hmm. That's first and foremost. Secondly, Israelis are now at war with all Palestinians, all Arabs within 48 and outside 48 um, designation of the state of Israel. Yeah. Um, and this is, is, you know, this is something quite unique. So it is not Israelis against Palestinians. It's actually Israelis against 20% of the Israeli population that holds Israeli passports. It's yeah. Israeli government and the Israeli military against human rights, against uh, international law, against the Fourth Geneva Convention. And when they attack one of the holiest sites in the Muslim world on one of the holiest days and weeks of yeah. the Muslim uh, religious calendar, they're attacking Muslims throughout the world. Correct. Mm -hmm. So this, you know, the way that we find, yes, Palestine, Israel, it makes it so neat. And I have to say, we should add on the Israeli side, every state that aids and abets Israel, including, of course, first and foremost, the United States. The United States is just approving the Biden administration three quarters of a billion dollars in new arms sales to Israel. Yes, Canada yeah. is involved in arms sales. So what is going on here? You have yeah. one of the largest, most powerful, it's not large, but the most powerful armies in the world, a nuclear armed power, one of the only in the Middle East after Pakistan. So yes. you have all of this and, and you have versus um, people who've made homemade rockets, which is not to say they're not lethal. We decry, decry and, and yeah. deplore the death of civilians on both sides of this conflict, but the proportionality is absurd. What I'm hearing you say is that that's a flattening of, of the proportionality of what's happening, uh, like as if there are equal oppressors on both, both sides. What's also coming from your conversation is the idea of this uh, this support and complicity of different powers to Israel is also um, very in common language and in common conversations justified through the ideas of anti-Semitism. So do you have anything to sort of say about that? Like the, the accusation of anti-Semitism comes in whenever uh, there is a critique of Israel's practices as a state. And you should see it. I mean, I just was looking at BBC before we started this conversation and, yeah. you know, right up there with the fact that, you know, an entire family of 10, um, tens of scores of people, tens of thousands who have been killed over the weekend in, in Gaza, um, tens of thousands of people who've been made homeless, the fact that they, you can't, don't even have roads that yes. can carry uh, ambulances to bring uh, the injured to the hospitals, the fact that doctors, uh, leading uh, doctors have been killed in Palestine, um, you know, in Gaza itself. You have that side by side with an incident in Britain where two or three Palestinian supporters called anti-Semitic terms to, uh, you know, perhaps some Orthodox Jews who are clearly defined, you know, religiously as Jews. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, what is going on here? But I just want to get back to the fact that, you know, we're talking about uh, this disproportionality. First of all, you know, there is no Palestinian state. So mm -hmm. it is not a war between states. Secondly, mm -hmm. in terms of just the armaments, it's just obscene. Uh, these Qassam rockets are deadly. Um, but Israel has created this, quote unquote, Iron Dome that repels 90 percent of them. 
Palestinians yeah. have nowhere to go. They are in an open air prison in the most densely settled area on the face of the earth. Most yeah. densely settled, most impoverished, with all sides closed, including their access to the sea. Yeah. So yeah. They, they can't take a Sheirut, as they say, a multiple taxi from one part of Israel to another and go visit some relatives. They can't leave there. And yeah. those high-tech weapons are being rained down upon them without an iron dome that repels 90% of the Qassam rockets, um, being rained down upon them with pure impunity and ongoing. And, and again, you know, talking about you know, this Israeli bravado, I mean, what can be more cowardly yeah. Then basically, you know, shooting at your opposition um, and then destroying anyone who, you know, who cannot flee, who cannot get away. Um, yeah. So it's just it's just an appalling, appalling, mind numbing, emotion numbing uh, event uh, that the world has to see for what it is and occupying power using overwhelming strength and weaponry against a hapless population. Um, regardless of their leadership. And I just want to say one more thing about the leadership. Yeah. Hamas, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it's, it's not my place to say, you know, love, hate. Um, when it comes to uh, war criminals, Israel has elected several of them, including members of the Likud party and Ariel Sharon, you know, who have yeah. been charged with crimes against humanity on a very, very large scale, I have to say, including the Sabra and Shatila um, massacre that occurred under Israeli control in the 1980s um, when Israel was the occupying power in Beirut. So, you know, that's one thing. The other thing you have to say about Hamas, Hamas was elected. Hamas is not an organization. Hamas was the elected party in the 2008-2009 elections that were then were engineered by the Bush administration, the George W. Bush administration, yes. um, even though they were told that Hamas would win because the PLO was uh, almost, you know, had been so discredited. So Hamas yes. won that election. And then what does the US do with Israeli complicity? They turn around and they engineer a coup yes. against Hamas. So Hamas has, was the legally elected party. And it's from that time onward that the entire population of Gaza has been imprisoned with Hamas. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. where this whole thing starts from. So that Hamas is this little shorthand for what? For an aborted democratic election that was opposed yeah. by the Israelis in the US, a coup d'etat effectively, that completely mm -hmm. severed uh, the whatever was left of Palestine after the Oslo Accords and Israeli expansion um, yeah. into two parts, um, restricting one part and turning it into a complete open air ghetto um, with all checkpoints either controlled by Egypt in the south or um, in the eastern parts um, by Israel. I think that framing is really important the way you've put it because uh, uh, what happens with uh, bringing up Hamas and even bringing up what's happening in the Middle East in general is that people 
stave off responsibility or having a responsible conversations by saying, oh, it's so complicated, uh, like Middle East, there's always some conflict in the Middle East, there's always some tension in the Middle East. And I think there is a very uh, concise way of putting together a very complex history if we want to have a reflexive and a responsible conversation around it. Perhaps we can talk about how you are very self-reflexive of your own positionality in your academic and political activist work. And uh, it would be great if with the CFRC audience today, you could share your perspective um, through that very important, important lens and um, perhaps talk, talk about the position of uh, Jewish people, Jewish support uh, or Jewish stance on, on uh, what's happening in Palestine uh, with Palestinian uh, people, yeah. Um, you know, I was very gratified to see over the last decade or more uh, a real upsurge in uh, Jewish, uh, North American Jewish, um, where the concentration of the uh, extra Israel, in fact, as large as the Israeli population of Jews lives outside, and many mm -hmm. of them live yes. uh, in North America. And I was very gratified to see a whole proliferation of organizations that are protesting way beyond the Peace Now movements of the 1980s um, and 1990s. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, and just recently we've heard, um, you know, all sorts of figures talking about, we have to think about return Jewish um, uh, people talking about this openly. Um, and of course, expressing solidarity uh, with Palestinians. Um, so this is this is really good. But I have to say, from yeah. my own perspective, I mean, uh, my own evolution in terms of thinking about uh, where I stood vis-a-vis -vis Israel, I think, has to wrestle with the fact that um, that the positionality of Jews in the West, I think, still yeah. is 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 problematic. Um, and Israel solved some of those problems, especially for American Jews. You know, all of a sudden they, you know, were hyphenated uh, sort of uh, Americans in the way that Italians were. There was a nation state out there that, and they could reduce, they could, uh, the, they could uh, transform the image of the traditional image of a Jew, you know, with these new macho figures, um, yeah. you know, and you see a whole generation of, uh, you know, Jewish athletes, for example, you know, coming out. So there's this machismo, this uh, masculinity, this way of uh, leveraging um, Israel into positionalities within American politics, which of course yes. you see, you know, coming full force in, in the Trump administration, you know, with the yeah. partnership with the Kushners. Um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, you see that and you also see, you know, a really rising disaffection um, over the last 20, 30 years between many uh, younger and even older Jewish uh, Americans and Jewish Canadians uh, toward uh, the actions of the state of Israel and the treatment of Palestinians and also this revulsion toward a society um, in which Jewish supremacy um, has become, you know, the uh, defining issue, really, the yeah. defining way. And, and uh, I think for Orthodox Jews, who many of us, you know, who are not raised in, you know, super religious homes, even if, or at best in Reformed Jewish homes and families, you know, yeah. we've looked in askance at these uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews, especially the ones who oppose the state of Israel from the very beginning. But what they yeah. have also told us, which is, I think, something very critical that we have to think about as well, is that yeah. not only has Israel changed the identity of Jews outside 
of Israel, but it has also unfortunately destroyed a lot of the ethical core within Judaism in creating yeah. these fundamentalists in the same way that you have the fundamentalist movements in India, um, fundamentalist ultra-nationalists that had no basis in history in or in the traditions of the religion, destroying the universalism, yeah, the separatism that was part of Jewish tradition, but also the universalism of its um, ethic and uh, morality. That is what is being destroyed. So Judaism itself has been twisted and transformed um, in this process. And I think, you know, for those who watched uh, this, this unfolding and, and trace the, the sort of alienation in our own selves, um, as we see ourselves pitched between, um, you know, uh, different sectors of uh, the US, yeah. Uh, uh, recognizing that there is white Christian supremacy and Christianity should be underlined uh, along with it uh, um, as, as a facet of, of that type of racism. Um, and um, I think it's, you know, you can see how young people, young Jewish people have both a difficulty extracting themselves from that, especially yeah. given the kind of collective interests that are actually locked into very powerful entities in terms of foreign policy, in terms yeah. of economics, uh, within certain elite circles, obviously within the Jewish community. Um, um, but, uh, you know, so I think it's, in, and with tremendous amount of money being poured into inculcating youth yeah. on one side and on the other side bashing Muslims generally and Arabs and Palestinians specifically. Um, so I think it's, yes. it's, it's an ongoing struggle and I think um, you know really requires a kind of conversation um, yeah. beyond the sort of converted. Um, but I think that 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 iceberg of sort of passivity or tacit approval has ruptured. Um, yeah. And people are now seeing, especially in what's happening within Israel, in cities like Haifa and Lod um, and other uh, inter-multicultural, uh, multi, uh, multi-religious cities, how this is going to create a civil war. It is creating a civil war within Israel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all for the short-term interests of a few politicians who are literally crooks, you know, and they were crooks before, and they were aligned with crooks like the Kushner family, which is a family of crooks, yeah. um, and then the Trump family, which is a family of crooks, uh, and then made their peace with other illegitimates, you know, and, and yeah. like the Saudis, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I think, think yes, yeah. um, but it's, it's, a, it's a process I think we have to realize for, um, for many North American Jews. And, and, yeah. and the, the debates around the, age, um, the IHRA working definition, I underline working definition, have helped in a way to uh, helpfully to educate people about the way that anti-Semitism is being used um, to stifle dissent and its um, extreme, um, con the extreme consequences of using it, uh, because it's not just the Israelis who are going to use this. I mean, there are yeah. many foreign governments who have an interest in in shutting down debate about their human rights record uh, yeah. by naming it, yes, Islamophobia, anti-Asianism, all this stuff can also be mobilized 
hypocritically yeah. um, in order to shut down debate on the Uyghurs um, in China, human rights violations in the Gulf, um, et cetera, et cetera, and yeah. Hindu, um, you know. Absolutely, government. yes. Uh, so yeah. I think we have a lot to fear. And on the one hand, the specificity of uh, being a Jewish uh, North American and having grown up in a, in a family that was really, you know, steeped in Zionism and sent me to Israel when I was um, 13 or 14, 15, something like that for the first time. Um, and, um, you know, sort of extricating yourself from the, the, the way that that shapes uh, Jewish American identities um, Absolutely. Is, yeah. It's something that is an ongoing process and we have to talk about. And given the insecurities communities feel, it, especially in, in epochs like this, when you can see globally this rising tide of, of racism and yeah. xenophobia that is shaping politics of the majority. Exactly. Like that's such a contextualized and historically rich perspective because that names occupation and it names nationalism with respect to religion and the political and the conservationist reframing of uh, religion for enshrining inequality in global capitalism. So like as a mainland Indian who is also complicit in crimes against occupied Kashmiris, this has given me and I'm sure everyone here uh, who's listening today to think about how this is an this is an inter it's not a global crisis just in the terms of how it has reached worldwide, but how it is actually intimately connected to uh, the different countries we come from, different positionalities we hold dear to our uh, identities. And this is an internationalist struggle. Um, thank you really, Professor, for having this really important conversation today and facilitating this, especially for CFRC here at Queen's, uh, because with a lot of events of racism, Islamophobia and anti-Semitism within Queen's University and Queen's community um, and keeping in mind the importance of decolonial practices during this time, uh, we only hope to have more such conversations. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.